0: Libraries Parapods, and this is the program about books and reading and everything in between. I'm Catherine, and I'm here with my colleague Nissa. Hello. Hey, look, today we're going to discuss summer reading and you know our kind of picks for the year, um, and also um, we are at Wentworth Point Library, which is our brand new library, which is absolutely fabulous. It's gorgeous, yes. Yeah, so first time we've been here in our special soundproof room. Excellent. So, Nissa, how about? We tell our listeners what we're going to discuss today.
1: Sure. So, mm-hmm. the topic today from, from our special summer series is uh, Summer Reads Fiction. Uh, the first book we're going to be talking about is Damascus by the Australian author Christos Chulkers, Um and that was published by Alan and Unwin in October 2019. So, it's a very recent publication. Mm-hmm. The next one we're going to be looking at is Machines Like Me by Ian McEwan. And that was published by Vintage in April 2019. Then we're going to be looking at two books by a very popular, uh, very current author, Sally Rooney. Uh, The book, the first book is going to be Normal People, um, which was published by Penguin in 2018. Uh, The other book is going to be Conversations with Friends, which was the book that sort of catapulted her into fame. Uh, and that was published by Faber and Faber in Faber and Faber in twenty seventeen. Mm-hmm. So that's the plan, Catherine Damascus. Um, w- what
0: do you think? Okay, thanks Nissa. Um, Love the book. Um, so um, Christos Chokas um, is a well-known Australian author. Um, he's a playwright and he's a scriptwriter as well. So um, he's well known for this slap. Um, quite a few of his um, works have been. Uh, uh, filmed or uh, um, serialised for TV programs. Um, but um, I guess uh, Damascus, um, as far as I know, well, it's a historical novel. It's visceral, it's powerful, it's intense, and it really charts the history of Christianity in the ancient world, the ancient Roman world I'm speaking of, since that was the only world that was important at that time. So this is, um, the story really um, begins, um, I I think, you know, say um, right after the death of Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ never appears in this, but there's many, many references. And so it's the period when, um, Paul or Saul, which was his Hebrew name, uh, a Jewish man who was educated in you know Judaism and religious rites, I guess became a convert to Christianity and uh, saw his mission, um, his passion, you know his this intense belief that he needed to spread the wor- the word. Um, that he needed to prophesize and get out there and let people in the Roman world know that there was a benign, I suppose, um, Messiah who was going to um, return. And this particular Messiah being Jesus Christ, who, who was really regarded and ostracized and obviously crucified, and uh, was regarded as really quite a lowly person by obviously the powers that be. So it was a real flip. It was a, a turnaround of everything that up until then was really considered to be the, the right way of the world. You know, the respected people were the Roman rulers and their governors in their far-flung uh, colonial empire. So, you know, it was radical thought. It was seditious. Um, Christians were persecuted there, there's some absolutely visceral and shocking um, scenes of cruelty and, um, and mayhem, but, you know, it's just so powerfully portrayed that um, you don't shy away in, in a way that it's not unpalatable. I mean, it seems to be an organic part of this book. It's just amazing. Well, has he written um, historical novels before that um, you know what? I think the, the books that I've read have been contemporary settings.
1: In Australia, right? Australian contemporary settings.
0: Um, yeah, so I would have thought this is a departure, mm. um, although he, um, I think that the novel before this I haven't read and uh, the name escapes me, so uh, it may have some historical themes. I'm not too sure, but uh, we'll have to check that one out. Um, folks, but uh, in any event, uh, so so really, you have um, like a first-person narrative. Now, Paul comes across as this very flawed human being, a, a person that is almost like running from his past. You know, in some ways, he's been um, a persecutor of the first converts to Christianity. You know, he's um, the uh, the opening scene is is quite a terrible and shocking scene, and. The, the perpetrator of this crime is basically basically Paul himself. So you start from this um, premise that he's a sinner, and it implies, and it always, and it describes scenes where you know he's uh, um, um, succumbs to the temptation of the flesh, as it were, in all sorts of ways. You know, it's quite graphic in its description of these things, but you know, nothing is kind of out of place in this novel it's really been hailed as you know a masterpiece of historical storytelling Mm -hmm. and uh you know i for one as i said i don't read a lot of historical novels but i found this an absolutely unputdownable read so i would recommend it nissa wow yeah what have you got
1: yeah so the one i read was machines like me uh by ian McEwen. Um. So I mean, his name is familiar to so many people. He's published seventeen books, and many of them have been adapted into movies. Uh, uh for example, The Children Act, Atonement, On Chesil Beach, and the library actually holds all of those. Um, all of those movies. Oh. So the book. Um, okay. So the book Machines Like Me. Basically, it's uh, it is speculative fiction. I guess that's how you could categorize it. Um. Some have compared it to sci-fi basically what it is it's set in the 1980s but it's not the 1980s as we know it for example in this 1980s um you know uh president carter had been elected twice quite famously and he was in power once um alan turing who makes uh an appearance throughout who's very present throughout the whole novel he is still alive um when in reality, of course, I think he he uh, you know committed suicide in the 1950s. I think in disgrace after he mm-hmm. was I think he was um, prosecuted for having homosexual sex. But in in this 1980s, he is rich. He is celebrated. He's living openly with his male partner. Um, he is really out there, like a sort of a Bill Gates almost uh, figure, like really revered in in uh, you know his particular discipline. Um, and the focus is it's a first-person narrative uh, sort of structure for the novel, um, and the narrator, the main narrator, is Charlie, who is this 30-something thirty something guy who um, spends his inheritance on a robot, a robot called Adam, and together with his upstairs neighbour who he's in love with, uh, his upstairs neighbour called Miranda, they set about um, creating this personality for the robot and... Basically, the story goes on from there. So it's a really... Look, it's it's interesting. Like, the book is interesting. Of course, I did find it a little bit <sighs> plodding in parts, especially when they go on and on about, uh, like, theories about, like, quantum mechanics and when, you know, the, the character um, Charlie is having a discussion with. It could be anyone, really. And it's almost like Ian McEwan's taking this opportunity to... Um, to really discuss the issue through the voice of a character. And I felt my, my mind, I, to be honest, wandering in those parts. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it had a good storyline. Um, it, was, it was interesting in terms of like, you think about concepts like artificial intelligence, um, you know, is something like robot consciousness or, um, you know, uh, like ideas like revenge, ideas like justice. Uh, love, truth, moral complexity. Um, is it okay to kill a robot or harm a robot or treat them like a slave when they are sentient and they can feel things or can they feel things? It's its such an interesting complex um, idea or collection of ideas that you are forced to grapple with when you read the story, when you go through the plot. Uh, so i I would definitely recommend it for that you know there's there's a lot of humor in there i think he wants one of the terms he uses for the robot at one point when his, when the main character charlie's quite annoyed with the robot was to call him an ambulant laptop which i actually found quite funny um and then one one of the character um has sexual relations with the robot i think he referred to it as oh, compared it to a sex toy and there was this whole conversation that was actually quite interesting um, but you know, quite funny as well at the same time. But it's all about agency. Like, do they have agency? And can we then treat them on the same level as human beings? So Mm. um, have you read the book at all, Catherine?
0: No, I haven't. But you know what? I think I'm going to put it on my summer reading list because artificial intelligence is obviously, you know, the 21st century's, you know, uh, uncharted frontier, isn't it? It
1: is. And, like, there's a lot of talk about, like, the ethics of, like, uh, you know, human and... Um, robot relationships and um, like Alan Turing, I really like how uh, it seems like Ian, Ian McEwen does want to really, um, really bring him alive. And it's kind of sad because I, I sort of had an idea that he was this figure who was important in, um, you know, sciences, and he had something, something to do with the war effort. And I know he was in a like he was played by Benedict Cumberbatch, but I hadn't actually watched the movie, so I didn't know much about him. Mm-hmm. But when I read this book, and I could see that he was a figure. I I sort of realized based on some other things like the President Carter one and so forth that he was giving a very different view of the 1980s, a very technologically advanced view. For example, they had robots, everyone had mobile phones in the 70s. So it was uh, an age that was more technologically advanced than we are now. So when I read that, that Alan Turing was such a celebrated figure, I immediately had this sort of sinking feeling that, oh, I bet reality is completely the opposite and then when I looked him up I'm like oh my gosh that poor guy like he could have been celebrated but he had such a tragic end and um it but it was just interesting to see him brought to life or reimagined like what could have been in this book apart from the actual story.
0: I love that idea that um you know a lot of writers are reimagining characters and situations from the past and um you know bringing them to life Uh, there's, there's several books that we've you know, uh, discuss that. to deal with those themes. So
1: I think if someone wants to read a book by a well-known author that uh, grapples with some really interesting concepts, has an interesting plot, this is the book for them. So that's what I would recommend. On to you, Catherine, Sally Rooney. So... I read somewhere that Sally Rooney was almost like a uh, like a status symbol at one point for the Instagram crowd, like to have read Sally Rooney. Yeah. Um, what do you think? I, I, I to be honest, I haven't read anything of hers, but I'm I'm curious now actually, based on that.
0: Yeah. Well, look, Nissa. Um, same. I've come to Sally Rooney's books. So I'm because of, um, you know, sort of uh, along the grapevine and I've heard about how um, everybody's tweeting that uh, Sally Rooney is the new it girl of, um, you know, literary uh, fiction Um, and, you know, a real worldwide phenomena, I guess. Um, There's lots of interviews with her and her uh, Vanity Fair actually recently did a spread of... um, her first book, Conversation with Friends, and uh, that was actually the first book I did read because I noticed in one of our staff picks it uh, wound, it sort of landed there. But um, yeah, and having read that story, this uh, this story kind of, um, in in, a, in a, a kind of a way, segues. It, it sort of segues rather into Normal People, which is her second book, her most recent book. Um, now, I understand, yeah, Vanity Fair did um, this spread and uh, so Conversation with Friends is being uh, serialised and picked up by one of the major platforms. So it's becoming a bit of a cultural uh, zeitgeist kind of phenomena, the Sally Rooney uh, uh, effect. But um, that's... Um, I mean, with that sort of buzz, you do come to these books with feeling a little bit incredulous and a little <laughs> bit cynical. It's yeah. sort of like, oh, no, not another wonder kind sort of kid, mm. new kid Because she's the not block. even
1: 30 yet, is she?
0: So this, this young writer is actually only just 28. Wow. Um, so I think her first book was published when, you know, she only wrote, she wrote it when she was about 23. But, I mean, you know, her, her milieu is um, Ireland. It's Dublin. She's an Irish writer. It's, um, you know, Trinity College. I mean, it, well, particularly normal people. Conversation with the Friends is about, um, um, a you know, a young friendship group who get involved with sort of an older couple and an affair ensues. But her writing really does lift these books that really deal with, you know, everyday, I guess, normal situations and kind of quite mundane situations above um, the mundane. Um, yeah, There's no doubt that Sally Rooney is a gifted writer. Um, and I really like that she's probably one of the first millennials to really grapple with, um, you know, sort of a, a kind of a transition um, because millennials kind of do tend to look at the world in a different way in this era, I feel. Um, you know, they text a lot and they... Like you know, there's a there's a, a good example in normal people where the two main characters. It's told in uh, it's a first person narrative with Marianne and Connell, um, the the two protagonists, the two lovers, and um, they become involved with each other in high school, and then they wind up at Trinity College in Dublin. I, Pretty sure this probably reflects to some degree Sally Rooney's um, perhaps experience. I'm pretty sure she went to Trinity College. So, you know, she is like obviously um, a really one of those clever young women. Um, and um, uh, as I was saying, the example that I was going to mention was that um, uh, Connell and um, Marianne, um, you know, uh, sort of a couple. On and off, and they're trying to negotiate how they fit together. But because uh, Marianne is a millennial young woman, she's independent. You know, she is not even sure that she really wants to be constrained by a relationship. And um, and I think um, you know the the sort of you know the um, the preface the you know at the beginning of the book, for example, it's got a George Eliot. Daniel Deronda which is one of the George Eliot novels Mm. so it has a sort of a a small passage that in some ways encapsulates the feeling of this book anyone who is a George Eliot fan and that's really what what the the preface is sort of really talking about is how you as uh, how your relationships change you and in some ways constrain you while they liberate you. Yeah. So it has that real sense of paradoxical the nature of mm-hmm. relationships. So um, in short, um, this this novel is actually told uh, first by Marion then by Connell and so it's engaging, it's kind of racy, it's funny and um, you know, it's what every young millennial is reading, and you know, people... except for me, can I say I haven't read that yet? <laughs> get onto it. Get with That's it. It's, uh, get, get with the trends. Um, so you know, people like Zadie Smith and oh, well, Sarah Jessica Parker. I read uh, The There's Vanity. Definitely not a millennial. She's person. not a millennial, but she's cool. Let's face oh, it. she is. Yeah. She's old, but she's cool. <laughs> but anyway, okay. So, uh, oh, and in terms with, co- in terms, um, oh, well. Conversation with friends. Now, that was her um,
1: first book, right? Is
0: is her first book? And as I said, it's kind of uh, it's darkly kind of funny. Um, the the kind of relationship here is uh, Francis and um, her. Uh, it's kind of um, Bobby Bobby and Francis, who actually were a couple at one stage. So there's a little bit of um, you know really cool bisexual things happening here. But that's not really where this story goes because this is really about bobby falling in love with this actor um um, who's actually a married actor and part of a couple and that's about the dynamics of young people i guess as i said in a way it's like a uh, a natural sort of flow into the to her next book normal people but um this would go
1: well together you'd say
0: the, yeah, well, you know, it, it is all about the dynamics of relationships. It's about coming of age. These are coming of age novels, and mm-hmm. um, but but in a literary way. And I mean, um, I think uh, Sally Rooney um, is is a student of English literature, and she often references. English literature. I mean, you can you can even see in normal people where she's she's kind of juxtapositioning the relationship of um, Elizabeth in uh, Jane Austen's um, um, Pride and Prejudice*, for mm-hmm. example, um, where where she's looking at class. Mm-hmm. So, and she looks at society and class and, and social position and she does it in a really funny, dark, clever way. So, I, I definitely think both of these books um, are books you need to read. I so definitely Nisa, will, I that's think. That's my opinion. <laughs> that's my homework for
1: this, uh, this summer. Okay, well, that thank you, Catherine, for that. So those were the four books we wanted to just quickly highlight as Summer Reads. Um, if you'd like to download our podcast, uh, you can find us on our blog, Para Reads. You can download the podcast on Podbean, the app, or you can find us on iTunes via iTunes Podcasts under Parapods. We'll talk to you next time with another great episode.
0: Yeah, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.